Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. With me today on the podcast is somebody who has given me a wealth of valuable insights in the short period of time I have known him. He is a speaker, an entrepreneur, a coach trainer, a certified neuro-linguistic programming master level practitioner, a certified master level life coach, and the co-founder of the Coach Training Academy. He has trained thousands of coaches on how to up their coaching practice and has helped me tremendously in my own coaching venture. Please help me in giving a very warm welcome to Stephen Kijis. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in today. I have Stephen Kijus. Is it Kijus, Steve? Or? It's it's Kijus. Ah, Kijus. It was but, one or the other. You know, shot. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not done correctly. A lot of the times people struggle <laughs> with it, so I'm pretty used to it. But yeah, yeah it's Kijus. My uh, my last name's the same way. My last name is Sprague, so I get Spragu, Sprague. So I hear. You. I usually just say yes. That's me. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm. You know, when going to school, if the teacher's reading down the attendance list and then they stop and pause, I'd say, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Just... <laughs> <laughs> that's the easiest way to go. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, you know, thank you so much for joining us today. I was hoping you could start out by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, maybe your backstory, how you got into coaching, um, et cetera. Uh, okay, well, maybe I'll start with just, you know, what I do now, and then I'll go, how did I get here? So yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Stephen Kijis. I'm the co-founder and director of the Coach Training Academy, and we're an ICF accredited coach training school, which may not mean anything to lots of people out there but it just means we have some credentials and our and our program is is vetted uh so i've been a professional coach for a little over 20 years and if you look at uh you know my kind of my background and how i got there it, it makes perfect sense you know most people that come into coaching have had some different difficulties in their life whether that's career, personal, financial, relationships, whatever. And through that struggle, trying to find, make sense of their lives, trying to, to get, some, you know, get to where they want to go, they get involved in personal development. They start learning about themselves, other human beings, and et cetera. And, and so it's most of us that come into coaching and, and even mental health and therapists, et cetera, have some similar background. So I actually started out, I was a suicidal, depressed teenager uh, through most of my teens and even into my 20s. Um, I was thinking the other day that I wouldn't, my life could have gone either way. It could be that I committed suicide, you know, many, many years ago, and we wouldn't be talking right now. Yeah. Or I could be homeless because I was pretty sure that I would be uh have no success in my life. I was going to live a very lonely, depressed, terrible life. That was my story for many years. Yeah. Um, and instead, things I had different opportunities came to my life. I met other people. I started different relationships, which started me on a personal development journey. And that's one of the things that I feel very blessed about, that certain people came into my life that didn't support me in my woe is me depressed story, that they supported me in going, 
you know, maybe that's not true. Maybe that's not who you are or what you're going to be. And uh, to kind of fast forward a little bit to show how I actually got into coaching was uh, I had owned a software company uh, and we're talking about 25 years ago or so and I sold it and I was really struggling. Uh, we got paid uh, when we sold the, the company, but I was struggling. I was losing lots of money, trying all kinds of different things. And I went to what we call now a meetup group. Uh, back then, it was just a networking group of business people. I thought, well, maybe I'll find something. So I showed up in this kind of dark, dingy bar, downtown Vancouver, grabbed a beer sitting in a table, and this fellow came in, sat next to me, uh, and he started asking me all these questions. Now, usually at networking meeting, it's, I'm a real estate agent. Do you need to buy a house? I sell life insurance. How are you doing with life? No, it wasn't that kind of a conversation. This was about, what are you passionate about doing? What is your life about? What are some of your future goals? And it was very odd, very bizarre conversation. I'm waiting for the, the, the shoe to drop and him to try and sell me something. Never happened. And when I started asking him about himself. Turns out he was a coach. Now, 25 years ago, that now, you know, lots of people are coaches. Sometimes you can go to a party and it's like everyone there is a coach. <laughs> but back then, very unusual. And I was really fascinated by it. And especially because where I was in my life, I was, I was trying to develop another, an internet company and it was kind of the dawn of the internet. And so I hired this fellow. His name is BJ Radomsky. And the, the internet idea I had actually was something that was a great idea before its time. So it was actually a, a different form of Groupon, which of course, as we all know now, but 25 years ago, good idea, but way before its time. So it, it floundered, but the, this thing around coaching and helping people and supporting people becoming more of who they are and, and, uh, became so fascinating because that was really my background and really what I was so passionate about was just a natural fit. So that's the direction I went in. I started getting training. I started getting, you know, uh, getting mentoring and, and that's the path I went down and I became a professional coach for, for many years at a very thriving practice. And then 10 years or so, this opportunity to start my own coach training school came up uh, with BJ. You know, we, be, we became really close friends and developed this school ourselves. And uh, that's kind of the story, why I'm here and why you and me are talking right now. That's, that's awesome, Steve. And it's, you know, it brings up a lot of good points. Um, number one is the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and how those stories interplay into how we feel about ourselves in every facet of life. So one question I had is, you know, how do you go about remediating those stories? Is it the people you're around? Is it a lot of different things? Um, what did you find helped you move through that story and kind of evaluate it and remediate it, if you will, um, to get you to where you are today? Well, I'll, I'll give you a good example. And this is more of my, my story of how this happened was, you know, I was 14 years old, 15 years old, um, very depressed and I won't go through my suicidal stories with you but I joined band like lots of people do I joined band mm -hmm. and I met some kind of group of people there and became friends with them etc and I came I became pretty good I was a French horn player 
oh, it became cool. pretty good. And I decided I wanted to take private lessons. And I called this fellow. He was uh, in the Minnesota Orchestra. And I said, Mr. Smith, you know, I really want to study with you. Will you take me on as a student? And he said, well, you know, I, I've heard about you. You're this really talented kid. I'd love to take you on. Um, so I will. I charge $25 an hour. Now, in the 70s, early, that was like $200 an hour, right? Yeah. And so I said, oh, gee, I can't afford that. Rah, 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 rah. And he said, well, I'd love to work with you, but um, my time's very valuable. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, if you do some work for me, in exchange, I'll give you uh, private lessons. So I would show up to his house. I'd take the bus across town, Minnesota. It's 20 below zero. Show up an hour early. I'd vacuum the floor, wax the car, do the laundry, whatever it was, and I'd earn my lesson. Now, it's kind of a long story getting to answer your question, but it's, it kind of puts it in context about this person who became my first mentor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd go in there and I'd say, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this and I'm never going to mount anything. I'll never be able to reach my goals as a musician. And he challenged me, he said, what if that's tr not true? Mm. What if all those beliefs about yourself that, you know, you can't do anything, you're stupid, you're ugly, no one's ever going to love you. This was all that was going through my head. Yeah. What happens if it's not true? And of course, with that, I would try and prove to him how it would be true. Of course. And he would actually turn a lot of things around on me and mm -hmm. saying, how do you know? What evidence? You know, how do you know? How are you? Is it possible? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that this thing that you're so um, trying to prove to me, you know, that's going to be true for you? What if there is there a glimmer that maybe it doesn't have to be that way? You know, he said, you're here now. If it's 100% true, I don't think you would have, you'd be here and wanting to do something with your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that started this process and, and actually is a lot of times in what the coaching process is about. Mm -hmm. It's about challenging people around these beliefs. You know, I can't get a job because of this. Um, I have to stay in a crummy relationship because of this. I'll never be able to uh achieve the goals that I want because of this. So one of the first places what, what we do as coaches is we challenge our clients to their, to their story and to their belief system. You know, has someone, so you're a single parent, your, your money is very tight, you have very little time. So that means that single parents can't develop a business or they can't have jobs that they really feel engaged in. Mm -hmm. Or they can't ha start dating again and having relationships that they want. Is that is that true for all single parents, you know, um, or people that grew up that were very poor, you know? And, and so this is one of the, you know, the beautiful things and exciting things around coaching is that we get to challenge people. And in doing so, it, it opens opportunities for huge paradigm shifts in people and how they look at the world and how look at they look at their own design in life. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. And you're so right that 
it really is a perspective shift that is so needed because I know for myself, I grew up with generalized anxiety disorder, like I think a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. And so I never really knew that all of those negative thoughts, like you're not going to amount to anything. What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? I remember the first time that my father actually asked me, well, what if it doesn't go wrong? And it was like this just big like think bubble appeared and I was like wow, yeah. yeah what if it doesn't go wrong you know yes. what that, am I gonna do now yeah. oh no yeah. my you're you're my wrecking identity. my whole yeah. life now yeah <laughs> yeah and it's funny because like you mentioned it's very easy to then have that become part of your identity so now you are the single mother who's you know woe is me you know you work too many hours all this kind of stuff and yes. like I always say to my clients, we only have so much energy each day to make decisions with and to actually do things with. So yes. where you put your energy really matters and where attention goes, energy flows. So if you keep feeding this belief system and this identity that you are, you know, X, Y, Z that we were talking about, you know, you're going to get what you give, you know, and absolutely. I think, yeah. And I think that's why personally, I feel like you know, what are your thoughts on why coaching is getting so big now? Because like you said, back when you first started, it was very unlikely to find a coach, especially just walking into a bar or something of that nature. But now it's such a big, big, you know, career path for a lot of people. Right. And I love it, you know, right. and, and I personally think that it's, it's, you know, having so much more information out now with, you know, regards to people wanting to level up their mindset, wanting to level up their success. But I'd love to hear your insights on why you think coaching is getting so big now. Well, I think a few different reasons. The first of all, uh, one of the big things is we actually now have proof and statistics on how it actually helps people. Mm-hmm. You know, in the I mean, if we go to a Reiki practitioner, an EFT practitioner, or go to therapy or whatever, these are kind of, you know, where's the uh, where's the proof that these kind or even a coach, where's the proof that this helps? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really helped is the ICF, the International Coach Federation, when they started up 25 years ago, one of their mandates was to promote and to measure coaching. And so there, there's statistics on that. So it's, it's not a does it help or is it valuable to people? It's there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the big things is that there's a confidence in the process that it helps. There's also the word of mouth. I mean, there's so many people who that now have gone to coaching that have gotten such great benefits from it that, you know, when you hear that, people go, well, gee, maybe I need to do that. You know, so there's just the the reciprocity, the the networking, the ability that has become something that is uh, um, been very helpful. It's also something that doesn't have a stigma. So therapy still and mental health still has a big stigma. One of the interesting things about our school is at any time, five to 10 percent of our student body are therapists, social workers, mental health workers. Now. Sometimes what they, they're coming into the program because in some of these professions, they're extremely uh, uh, stressful. They're dealing with issues and with clientele that are just very heartbreaking issues, just constantly. And sometimes it's, they want to work with people that are doing okay. They're fairly normal, but they want to improve their lot in life. And so that's the coaching process as opposed to therapy of looking what's broken. We look at what's working well and how to improve that. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Another reason uh, sometimes therapists come in is because they actually want to transition. 
Now, here's the important point that, that I, I will mention to some therapists. It would not be unusual if I called up an executive or a CEO of a company and say, uh, gee, can we meet at four o'clock? The executive would say, oh, no, I see my coach at four o'clock. Sorry, I can't meet you. Mm-hmm. Now, I would never call that executive or CEO and they say, no, I see my therapist at four o'clock. I can't see you. Mm-hmm. And that's the huge distinction because therapy, mental health is all already in, in, in line with there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. There's something that I need to hide. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, it's still that session. And so it blocks people from sometimes going and getting help and treatments and things like that that really need it. Whereas a therapist who leads with their coaching foot, you know, I'm a professional coach, they now have those opportunities. If they want to work with professional people and people that are doing well, but just want to improve their lot in life, it just opens the doors for them Mm. to do that. So that's another very good point is that it's accessible and it's it's a signal that someone is progressive not a signal that someone is trying to get over an illness or that they have something that is lacking from them. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. I, I think that's one of the best points is to bring up the fact that, you know, coaching focuses on what we can do now, you know, and what we can yes. do to move forward. Whereas, you know, I'm, I went to school for psychology and that was going to be my path is to be a therapist and all of that. And, right. you know, I actually took some years away from that because I just felt the same way. I don't like focusing on the issue because then it makes the issue bigger. And then if you label someone bipolar or ang- anxiety, you know, anxious or whatever, yes they then have that identity that they have to kind of pull around with them. And it's like they're on a chain getting, you know, guided around by a weight. So that's a, that's a great point. Uh, I have an aunt, my aunt Lois is like 85, 86 now. And she was a therapist for many years and she turned in her license and became a coach many years ago because as a therapist, they're licensed to diagnose. They have to give people a label. Mm-hmm. The problem with these labels is then we have to live into those labels. Yeah. And just a really good example. And we all who are coaches now and, you know, we come across someone I'm, I'm diagnosed with ADHD mm-hmm. and actually I do, I am diagnosed you know, as ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have that now, you know, when you go and you study about what does that mean and who you are and whatever, the problem is, is that how do we distinguish between what we're capable of with ADHD and not? What is the limiting factor? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will go, well, I have ADHD or I'm bipolar, or I'm this, I'm that. And that means this is my lot in life. And that's one of the, the problems with taking a label on is because that becomes our identity. And that's where we have to go. And the truth of the matter is, I think in our society, a lot of people are ADHD, whether they've been diagnosed it or not. It's just part of our time, part of our cell phone, mobile life, whatever. We're, we're just all over the place. Yeah. The question is, um, you know, did you get to work today? Did you wake up in the morning? Did you take a shower? Did you eat breakfast? Did you get in your car? Did you get to work? Did you do your work? Did you get a paycheck? Did you get home? Did you cook meals for your, and you did all this with ADHD. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you, <laughs> wow. Amazing. And you're, and you have severe ADHD too. Right? And you yeah, managed yeah. to do that. Hmm. Yeah. But you can't write the book that you want to do. You know, you're struggling with writing that. Well, 
the issue isn't that you have ADHD. The issue is what is the process that you need to look at to be successful? Because mm -hmm. you're successful at, you know, you did feed your kids for the last week or they they haven't eaten in a week. If, if they do, then maybe that is an issue we <laughs> yeah, should focus on start that with. <laughs> yeah, start on that week, you know. Um, but you did feed your kids. You did get them to soccer practice. You did those kinds of things. So maybe it's not so much the ADHD. It's the understanding of how you work within the context of ADHD so you can be a successful person with ADHD. Because, I mean, there's lots of people that are famous with ADHD. Uh, oh, Richard, yeah. and, um, Richard Branson was mm -hmm. probably one of the greatest examples of that who even talks about it. Yeah. I mean – He's just all over the map. Well, yeah. you can be all over the map and be a multi-billionaire. It just yep. um, depends on what that process is and what kind of support you need, et cetera. And that's probably one of, one of the biggest areas now in coaching is ADHD coaching yeah. just because of that. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I feel like you bring up another good point, which is that society tries to fit us into these boxes, right? And yes. what that does, it's kind of like a vicious circle because what happens is we go to school, let's say, for instance, and maybe we don't really like sitting still. So then we get this label of ADHD, right? And yes. then we wrongly assume that ADHD then means that, for instance, we can't be successful writing a book or doing, you know, X, Y, Z. And yes. we focus on, once again, what's wrong with us rather than how many things we get right every day. And, oh, absolutely. you know, Richard Branson's a perfect example, like, you know, I think, or I know everyone is an individual and we're, you know, although we're all human beings, you know, we're all very different creatures. And so, yes. you know, from almost birth, we try to, well, society tries to compartmentalize us in ways that pretty much wrongly accuse us of being not ready to fit in this box, et cetera. And that leads to a lot of just insecurities down the line. And I feel like one of the, again, one of the best aspects of coaching is like you were saying with your music teacher, just being the catalyst for some people realizing like, wait a minute, I don't have to fit in this box. Like if I don't sit good at the table, that means I can still write a book. Like yes. it's that whole, you know, just interesting catalysm into thinking in a new way. Yes. And one of the things I know you're really good at is NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Yes. And I know that that is a huge part of, you know, how you created the Coach, Coach Training Academy and also how, like, with those questions you were just asking. Yes. So I was wondering if you might be able to give the audience a quick synopsis of what NLP is and what it does. Okay. So what's interesting is NLP in some sense doesn't even exist. It's just, it's a made up uh, of many other processes. And it started back in the 60s with these two people, uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And they went out trying to discover what is it, they started out with different um, therapists, hypnotherapists, et cetera. Why were some getting fantastic results with their clientele and some people not so much and they developed this thing that talk, they call it modeling mm -hmm. so they would go out and they'd find someone one of the the people that that i met actually her name was virginia satir and virginia satir was known as one of the greatest family therapists that was around and so they'd go and they'd study virginia satir work for a while what was it that made her unique what was special about her and then they went Milton Erickson was a very famous hypnotherapist they would model him 
and they modeled all these people about what did they do that was really unique. And from that, they synthesized and they discovered there's certain ways that these people work with people, and then they came up with these. And so it's, it's, it's actually taken from different forms of therapy and, and the new age movement and personal development that was started back in the 60s with uh, the personal development movie at, um, I'm trying to think in California, there was an area there, um, Esalen, I think it was, was kind of the first development se- uh, center out there. Yeah. And it's really looking at, so NLP comes from neuro, our mind, mm-hmm. linguistic, which is um, speaking, words, how do we take in information and programming, how does this all work together? And what they talk about is that when we are growing up as human beings, we create our own models of the world. How is the world in our life? What makes sense to us? So if I grew up in a racist family, mm-hmm. so Jews, black people, whatever, they're this you know, that is my model. They are to be feared. They are bad. They are going to ruin the country, whatever that I'm speak. That's what I do. And what makes it even more uh, difficult is that that's my community, which I want to fit in with. And so now I have to take on those values or I would be ostracized out of those communities. So we have our model of the world, what what we believe the world is. But what's interesting, especially with NLP, is one of the sayings is the map is not the territory. Mm. So the map means these maps that we have of what the world is, which means, you know, this means this and that means that. And, you know, uh, African-Americans are this or this or Jewish people are like this or whatever. Democrats are this. Republicans are this. they are representations of beliefs. They aren't actually the truth. You know, a map of California is not California. When I go into a restaurant and they hand me a menu, I don't eat the menu. It represents (laughs) what that food's going to mean. So in NLP, what we do is we start challenging these maps Mm -hmm. that we have. And that's kind of where we started out with some of the questions. That's one of the unique aspects of NLP is we, we get to challenge these maps. Now, What's interesting, some of our maps are really helpful. So it's not like they're all willing to throw everything out. Mm-hmm. You know, if we have a map that says to be healthy, I need to go to the gym three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. I need to a- eat a balanced, you know, diet, blah, blah, blah. What a tremendously good map. You know, yeah. that really helps me. It's when we get into these other skewed maps, you know, I have to work 16 hours a day to, or I'm never going to be successful. I have to be, I have to get my PhD by the time I'm 30. I have to, you know, when we start setting up all these other rules and we follow these other maps, that's where we get into problems. And NLP is is fairly complex in, in as far as the different ways to work with people or for us to understand ourselves, but it certainly is coaching um well not always identified as NLP or parts of NLP, it certainly is included in, in part of what we do. Yeah. And, I, you know, I find that so fascinating. When I first found NLP, it was just I, I couldn't stop reading about it. And I know you mentioned hypnotherapy as well, yes. which I know you're also certified in, correct? Yes. Sure? 
yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. And so that's another area that has fascinated me forever because hypnotherapy, if I'm correct, is not just hypnosis. It's different techniques that fall under that, you know, you do utilize hypnosis as well, but it's more of like a clinical setting type thing, correct? Well, what's, what's interesting, there's very, there's many different levels in hypnosis. What you and me are doing right now could be considered hypnosis. Mm. So people are listening to this. Mm -hmm. They're listening to our words, and inside those words, they're making meaning. Mm -hmm. What does Ryan mean? What does Steve mean? It's setting up a certain state of mind. Some people are going, wow, this is really interesting. Mm. I'm really captivated by coaching. That sounds like a path that I might want to go to. Maybe I should look up the Coach Training Academy. Maybe that's a good path for me. Other people are going, what hooey? I've heard about this before. <laughs> what a bunch of – so yeah. uh, TV commercials – are hypnotic inductions. Mm -hmm. When you go and you watch, even the way, um, you know, the Dairy Queen commercial, where they, they'll show you the ice cream and then they'll blow it up so the whole screen is an ice cream. And they mm -hmm. show the family smiling, which is a hypnotic induction. It's implying that if you go and have this banana split at uh, Dairy Queen, your family's gonna come together and everyone's gonna love each other. You know, the Pepsi generation and all those kinds of things. They're all based on hypnotic inductions. Mm. So a lot of our world is, um, uh, is unconscious hypnotic inductions that we're not even aware of. You know, um, there are some that are very overt. People do go to hypnotherapists for certain inductions, for certain ways for, for things to help us um, break those unconscious conscience patterns and things like that but you cannot i would say i can't remember what the statistics is but i think they say something that most of us are in a trance-like state 80 percent of the time i mean Sounds how did we get to work when we yeah. drive the car we walk in the door <laughs> we sit at our desk and we go i don't remember getting here because yeah. we were in a hypnotic trance getting there our own thoughts going etc so Yes, there's there's different tools, of course, involved in hypnotherapy, and it's its own kind of uh, technology and methodology, but it is something you cannot not be hypnotized because yeah. a lot of us are hypnotized a lot. Yeah, and it can be something that is helpful, uh, and it can be something that is also can be destructive, even self hypnosis. Yeah. I can give you actually a good example, and this maybe because of our pandemic here is, you know, what is happening? People, the picture is someone sitting on the couch, staring at the floor, going, oh, no, I lost my job. The bills are coming in. Da, 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 da. These are, these are, these are self-hypnotic hypnotic inductions that we're actually doing to ourselves. They're focusing uh, ours in a certain way. And then we wonder, why are we bummed out? <laughs> why are we depressed? Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, you just, you're a great demonstration of if you want to create a depressive state, there's a process for that. Yeah. And that's why NLP coaching, et cetera, is really to make a conscious which is so much unconscious that we have no no awareness of or very little awareness of yeah. we wake up one day and we're in a particular state you know and we're there and you know when i look back and i can think of when i was growing up and i was in high school and then in, first in university and i was depressed i mean i was just an expert 
I mean, I would go and have a lesson or I would do something on personal development. I would feel really positive. But what I knew more about my state and what I would go back to all the time was I was an expert in negative thinking. I was an expert in how to bum myself out. Mm-hmm. I was more at home at doing that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, if we think of what, what kind of TV show or movie do we want to go to, I would turn it to the depressing channel. You know, it's time for a good depressing yeah. movie. Yeah. Let's see how <laughs> bummed out I can get in there. Yeah. You know, that was my, my channel of choice. Yeah. And what coaching does, it, it gives us a choice of channels. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to go down that channel. I could maybe go the the positive channel, maybe try it out for a little bit. Maybe that would be a better one today, especially if I want to, you know, get somewhere else. Maybe I should look at what channel I've been focusing on or and and have some changes. Yeah. And, you know, that's such a good point, too, because it's kind of like the snowball effect where if you start a snowball at the top of a hill and it starts rolling down, if you catch it very fast, yes. it's just a small little ball. But if you wait until it gets to the bottom of a hill, figuratively speaking, anyway, it's going to be much harder to stop because it's yes. on a very big roll. And that's, I think, the problem that a lot of people get stuck in is, like you were saying, you know, they might feel upset. So they want to watch a sad movie and then they turn on the sad music and they talk to their friend about what went wrong that day and why they feel sad. And it all, like, we're kind of trained in life to vent and to let things out, but we yes. aren't, aren't really given any tools. What, what then? Like, so you put exactly. it on and that's exactly. what, that's all about coaching. It gives you tools on to, okay, now what, you know, you, you bring up a couple of really great points. Uh, the, the one I want to go back to this kind of state change, but I want yeah. to start at the end of what you just, what you just talked about were tools. Yeah. There was a very famous um, personal development person. Uh, his name's Wayne Dyer. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar oh, with Wayne Dyer? Dyer. Yep. Yeah, he yep. died a few years ago and yeah. um, huge in the personal development. And I remember yeah. getting one of his books. And it's all about, you know, if you want to have a free life, you have to feel gratitude. Mm-hmm. You have to forgive people. You yeah. have to be in a positive space. And I, and I remember exactly reading one of his books. I was on the subway in New York and I'm reading this and I'm getting angry and angrier and angrier as I'm reading this book. And finally the doors opened up and I went to the garbage and I chucked that book into the garbage. (laughs) And the reason why, because I feel it's great to say all these things. It's Mm -hmm. great to say, live your life with gratitude. It's Mm -hmm. great to say, you know, think positively. But how the hell do you do it? Yeah. How do you do that? Where's the rule book for doing it? Mm -hmm. And that is what's missing so much in our education system. Yes. And by people that are, you know, great personal development speakers, a lot of times, you know, I'm not going to make any names, but a lot of times it's, you know, we, we can leave church or we can watch a really uh, inspirational movie or read a, read a great inspiring book. We feel great. Now I have it all. I'm going to I'm on the right path. And then two days later, uh, we're back to where we are because exactly. we don't know that we don't have enough instruction of how do you create those states? Yeah. You know, how do you do that? What you know, as a coach. And, you know, my life is not perfect. I can tell yeah. you that. I get angry. <laughs> I get <laughs> bummed out. <laughs> it's not. If, yeah. if you want to have a perk of it, you know, the equation is, oh, you want to have a perfect life, become a coach? You're going to be very disappointed yeah. because at the end of the Free day, you still, <laughs> yeah, you're still stuck with you, even yeah, if exactly. you're a coach. Yeah, yeah. 
but what a coach does so what do you do if you have to you have a days of coaching and you wake up and you're bummed out and you're upset about because you have some relatives that are sick with covid or you lost they've lost their jobs and you're worried and whatever and now you need to be able to be there for other people you need to be able coaching you need to be clear yeah so this is around states and how do we manipulate our how do we create these different states to be to be reflective and be able to work in our own lives and that's one of the great things about coaching is to be able to have this to not be a reactive so in my growing up i grew up in a in a very abusive uh family mm -hmm. uh, it was not pleasant at all and i became a very good model of rage when i especially in in early relationships i i did what i was modeled when i was young mm -hmm. and i uh, to me, that was a normal relationship. You get angry, you rage, you break things, you scream. You kind of—I don't want to say a typical male thing, but it is something that a lot of us males yeah. struggle with. Yeah, is uh, frustration and being boxed into things. Yeah, getting to that point with coaching is to getting to the choice point, and that was the other thing that you brought up: is we have these ways of being that we're so used to and then we have which is you know i'm stuck here this is how i have to be i'm a rager uh this person's not supporting me i'm angry then there's a place that we want to be i want to be open-minded i want to be curious i want to be of service to other people i want to be more understanding how do we make that switch and a lot of it has to do with is that are we aware in those moments of change mm -hmm to be able to do that. And I can give you a really a perfect example from coaching. I was listening to a mentor session the other day, which was one coach coaching another coach. Uh, and the client in this situation, the, the problem was they were very stressed at work. And when they came home, they were still bringing their work with them. Mm -hmm. So they'd walk through the door, they'd be in a bad mood, they'd be stressed out. They felt uh, that they didn't have a lot of patience for their kids. They felt actually ashamed about some of the things because they, you know, weren't weren't being the best parent that they could. And so what they wanted coaching on was, how can I change that? How can I uh, walk over the threshold and be in a positive state, be there for my family, be kind and, and generous to my kids and my spouse and those kind of things. And so they work together. And it comes, it came down to a strategy of before you walk through the door is a conscious awareness of a connection to that goal. Instead of walking through the door and all oh, my life and, you know, what do you have to do to change that switch? Mm -hmm. What is the, so the process was the first, before I turn the key and walk in the door is I have to, what am I going to do? I'm going to, you know, kiss my wife, hug the kids. And I'm going to go into my room, I'm going to change my clothes, I'm going to have a shower, and I'm going to sit and meditate for 10 minutes. Mm. And I'm going to think about how do I want to be now when I leave this, how do I want to be for the next two or three hours? Now, he still needed to do some work at home because that was the, t you know, his job. He couldn't just leave it. Mm -hmm. He still had to address some things to be prepared the other day. But, but this became such an important thing to him and he didn't have a strategy of how to get himself settled for that. And so this is one of the things that happens in coaching is how do you make that transition? How do you do that? Now, 
is he going to be? Is it a magic switch now that he's going to be always uh, where he is? Probably not. Yeah. You know, how many times do we set a goal and oh, <laughs> we're there all the time? You yeah. know, uh, it's you know that is part of life is ebb and flow. You know, getting there sometimes. What did we learn from things? Mm-hmm. But it certainly is helping him getting in touch with what he wanted to happen and then setting up some strategies and some some ways for him to actually having that positive experience that he does does have some choice because mm-hmm. i think that's one of the issues a lot of us struggle with is we feel that there's no choice yeah we're at and and you know what the pandemic that we're all going through is actually a great uh great opportunity representation yeah opportunity this because yeah. in a lot of ways it's true. Yeah. There isn't a lot of times we, we are now been ripped apart as far as what choices do we have? You can't go to work if your restaurant is closed. Mm-hmm. You can't make money if your business is closed, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So what are, but does that mean that there aren't any choices? And there are choices. Unfortunately, one of the choices I can sit and focus on the stress. Mm-hmm. I can focus on building a horror movie about what's going to happen to me financially what's going to help me with my relationships what's going to happen to me and we can we can do that or we can use this time other people are using this time as like i don't have any control over that what do i have some control over yeah i can i have some control over walking around the block Mm-hmm. hopefully some of us i mean there yeah. are some cities <laughs> where you don't yeah, I, yeah. I spoke to one of our students in mumbai you don't have any choice around walking around the block because you can only walk around the block at certain hours of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But what are the the opportunities of watching, uh, reading a book that is going to help you in the future, Uh, taking a course, taking a program, uh, a choice of what do you want to focus on? And I'm not saying that it's easy. It's especially with the trauma and the extreme difficulties of just feeding some people is traumatic um i spoke to one of our students the other day who's a therapist and she works in a a pod of about 20 therapists and there's a huge amount of depression and suicide going on because of you know people who have had lives that work pretty well and now they are struggling for to feed themselves and to feed their families i mean i'm heartbroken when i see these lineups i saw one the other day it was dallas or in houston of these mile long lines up of cars of people just trying to get food to feed their families. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it still comes down to looking after, you know, looking after ourselves and what are our choices in the moment? Yeah. And you bring up a lot of good points there as well, which, you know, one of the things that I do when I coach is my, you know, sub niche, I guess you could say is mindset coaching. And I found that to be my niche because I really do feel as you do that we always have a choice, but that choice is based around how strong our mindset is and, and in which way is it strong? Is it strong in being a fixed mindset or strong in being a growth mindset as Carol Dweck would say. And so one of the things that I always suggest to a lot of my clients and, you know, again, I let them kind of figure out what their routine would be is 
you know, establishing like a morning routine and nighttime routine, like you spoke of, you know, say a police yeah. officer, for instance, like they need to have a de-escalation or a down regulation when they get home from work yeah. to make them go from the police officer that is, you know, potentially arresting dangerous individuals to a, a daddy, you know what I mean? Or a husband. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the things that I always suggest to my clients as well. And, you know, I remember when I first found meditation and breath work, it was a huge, just eye-opening experience for me because it allowed me to actually separate myself from my thinking body and realize yeah. that I am, I am not my thoughts. And really, all my thoughts are are a representation of where I am in space and time. Like, for instance, if I'm focusing on, you know, what was me and focusing on the negative, which again, is not, you know, it's, I'm not, you know, it's not a judgment. Everyone gets there. We get ourselves stuck in the state. And Absolutely. Yeah. What now, you know? So um, one of the things that I've, you know, it just, when I figured that out, it really unlocked everything for me. So how important do you feel it is to have those routines, established, whatever it might be, whether it's walking around the block, whether it's, you know, just doing an exercise routine, whether it's breath work, meditation, et cetera. I mean, there's so many great resources out these days as well. Um, how have you found those to be helpful in your own life? Well, as long as that there, there are healthy routines, I mean, a lot of us have <laughs> unhealthy routines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if they're, if they're healthy routines and we uh, can engage them at our level and in our uh, something that is workable for us, then I think they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll bring up a good distinction around this. Mm -hmm. So the difference between what the experts tell you is a, is a good routine and what is not because a lot of times and a really good example of this and i and i use this a lot is dr oz mm -hmm. so dr oz i remember when he became very famous you know oprah got him up there and i remember an episode with him where he talked about he really he had a routine of exercise for almost his entire life he was really exercise was really important to him and then he got really famous he had very little time and he stopped going to the gym stopped exercising and he felt, and this is, he felt powerless and that he had no choice. Mm -hmm. He had no choice because his, his day, if he wanted to keep his show going and all these other kind of things, he doesn't have an hour or an hour and a half to go to the gym and take a shower and do this and do mm -hmm. that. He just couldn't do it. So he felt in this place. So he started questioning this idea that he had no choice, that there was nothing that he could do to get to the gym. And he thought, well, maybe the rule was for him that he would have to go for an hour, an hour and a half, and he didn't have that. Well, what happens if that wasn't, if he took that out of the equation? What was possible for him? And he said, he asked him this question, what could I commit to as far as exercise? Could I do a half hour? And his, no, no, no. I mean, he would just, you know, internally he's going, no, I couldn't. He's pushing back. I couldn't do that. He finally got down to 10 minutes. Could I do 10 minutes? Yes, mm -hmm. I can do 10 minutes. What do I have to do to be able to be successful doing 10 minutes? And he said, he thought, well, I'll do this and do that. And then, you know, right before I go to work, I'll go and, and he go, no, 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 he'll never be successful. And he came up with the, the process was the alarm would go off. He'd roll out of bed onto the ground. He would do, you know, his push-ups, some sit-ups do a bit of exercising and then he would go pee and you know, go have breakfast and do his thing. <laughs> what happened from this was that after he did this for a week or so, he thought, wow, 
this works. He started feeling engaged. I can actually do this. I have some control. I can make some decisions. And then it became 20 minutes and then came 30 minutes. And then he had a personal trainer coming in that would did 30, 40 minutes in his house with him. But it started with, so the idea about having these, you know, the, these times with ourselves, the setting up these things, I want to make sure that people understand that you don't have to do what the experts say. It's yeah. what is going to work for you at least to start. How do you want to do that? You know, people come to me and they say, oh, I really want to write my first book, but, you know, I don't have hours to spend. And I go, well, where's the rule book that says you have to spend hours or hours every day to do this? Is yeah. there a, a, to write a book, you must spend three hours every day writing your book. Is that a, you know, did, did Moses come down with the Ten Commandments uh, <laughs> saying that's the only way to do it? Yeah. And, and, you know, this is the beauty about coaching because as coaches, we don't tell our clients. Mm -hmm. we, want, we try and help them open up to possibilities. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, uh, and Dr. Oz, what a great example of someone discovering if it wasn't, he didn't have a coaching session, he did, I would say, inner coaching with himself mm -hmm. to get to what is that possibility that works for him as a starting point. Uh, one of my friends is a neuroscientist and we're always talking about motivation as if the, this is some secret that, you know, if I, you know, if I go to Tony Robbins and I do the firewalk, then I'll be motivated for the rest of our life. Somehow yes. we you get an injection. We're missing something. Motivation starts by doing something that you decided to do it and, and finishing it. Mm -hmm. If that's laying on the ground and doing 20 sit-ups, did you do it? Yes. Good for me. I can do it. Yep. You know, for me, when I started taking music lessons, my big thing, I, I have, I mean, now we call it ADHD in the early seventies, but it didn't even exist. Yeah. I can't practice like other people. I can't sit there for an hour and practice and practice and practice. And I remember Mr. Smith said, well, well, it's good that you can't do this because I'm, I'm, you know, he made the rule up for me because I'm not going to allow you to practice for more than 10 minutes at a time. Now you can do several 10 minute practice sessions, but you have a timer. You're today, you need to go and get a, you know, a timer. And when you start your practicing, you set up for 10 minutes. When that thing dings, you cannot practice for another half hour. I forbid you to practice for a half hour. Now it's interesting. You can imagine what happened was I, focused i practiced for a half hour i saw some improvements it, i felt engaged when that ding went off i didn't want to stop yeah yeah but i had to yeah just like <laughs> just like um you know dr oz like 10 i can do more than 10 minutes oh mm -hmm. but i've set my thing i'm doing 10 minutes you know for the first two weeks whatever his goal was interesting um, interesting. And so that was, you know, a, a really good example for me of where do we start? How can you integrate this thing? What is going to work for you? Which is all what coaching is, is how do we, how do you come up with the strategy that's going to work for you, at least for a starting place? Because I can tell you, there's, I, I know we know that saying, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's a minuscule bite. Yep. There. I, I'm going to date myself a little bit. There's an old, there's an old movie with Richard Dreyfuss and Bill Murray in it. Mm -hmm. And it's called about what's about Bob. Mm -hmm. do, 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 I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Actually. My dad was a huge movie buff. <laughs> so what yeah. about Bob? Yeah. And so Richard Dreyfuss is the psychiatrist. Bill Murray is the wacky person come for therapy. 
Richard Dreyfuss wrote a book called Baby Steps. And so through the movie, there's, you know, it's just what little steps are there that are going to get you there, that you can do it. And Bill Murray makes these big jokes, baby steps here and baby, I'm taking baby steps here and stuff like that. But, you know, even though this is silly, and even though we may be looking for these great epiphanies or these great other ways of getting us to where we want to lay and I need to, you know, whatever, where does it start? What is that baby step for you that you can go, wow, I said I was going to meditate for five minutes. I did it. Instead yeah. of, oh, I hate meditating. I can't do it. I can't sit still. I have ADHD. Yada, da, da, da. I can do it. I can't practice for two hours. Well, don't. Yeah. Can you do it for five? What can you do? Yeah. And, you know, you, you know that is such a powerful concept. And I, you know, it's so funny because I was just listening to an episode of one of my favorite podcasts, which is impact theory. And they had a neuroscientist on there actually, who was talking exactly about this, about how you actually develop a growth mindset, because everyone will say, Oh, you just need a growth mindset, man. And it's like, but how <laughs> do you quantify that? You know what I mean? Like, what are the I love that. Steps? Yeah. And, you know, it's very similar to what you were saying, like, you know, we go to these, you know, let's say Tony Robbins event, we get super motivated. And then two days later, we're right back at the same point. Because yes. we forgot that the necessary aspect is action, you know, motivation without action, and you know, action with knowledge is kind of wasted energy, you know, yes. so a lot of times we focus on this big goal, it's very daunting, you know, for instance, I want to lose 100 pounds by next year, let's say, right? Yes. Like, oh, well, if I just look at that goal, that's extremely intimidating. But if yes. I say, hey, you know, I need to lose, let's say, two pounds a week, and I'm going to do that by every day, I'm going to do the X, Y, and Z, right? And you just make it to what, like you were saying, what you can do, you know, because yes. again, there is no, there is no black, I mean, it's, everyone's an individual. So I feel like that's such an important aspect to remember is that there is no right and wrong. It's just making these little actionable steps. And then being able to, when you complete that step, or even if you don't, right, just being able to not judge yourself and just look at it and say, okay, did I do what I was going to, what I, did I do what I was, what I said I was going to do today? Yes. Okay, great. Give myself a little pat on the back and give myself that dopamine fix that allows yes. me to see that anything is possible if you can break it down into daily actionable steps. And if yes. I didn't, okay, what can I do better tomorrow to see if I can, or to make sure I hit that goal? And right. How do you need to adjust yeah. to, to get it? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I feel like one of the best, you know, things that I've found in my own life. And um, one of the things that was great about the other coaching program I took a while back too, um, which was the Procabulary certification. I don't know if you're familiar with Mark okay. England. He's an awesome no, guy. You guys have great along famously. Um, he's a big language language guy all about removing negations and projections and soft right. talk and the language and all that kind of cool stuff. Yes. But, you know, I became friendly with a lot of the coaches in that um, community. A lot of them are exercise, you know, like efficient yes. and whatnot. So I, that's my world. So I connected with a lot of them. And now we have kind of what's called an accountability group. And yes. I feel like that's such an under valued thing in society because again we've all been you know kind of taught like oh cut the next person down to get to the top and you know yes you know like i'm gonna get to the top for everyone else but you know how important do you think having the right people around you is you know to, to your success well uh, you know i call this is actually environment mm. and if you're not in the right environment if you can't create the right environment i you are not going to be successful in what you're yeah. doing so i you know my path 
to break through was through music. Mm -hmm. I became a professional musician. I went to Juilliard. I played in symphony orchestras, etc. Now, where did that start? Was I joined band. I met some other people that became really fascinated with music. I went to music camp. We practiced after school together. We got to school early together. We went to the competitions together. We did this. We had a, an environment that we called ourselves music jocks. You know, we weren't the football players, whatever. We were a community of musicians. Mm -hmm. um, there were probably about 15 of us that ended up playing in some of us major symphony orchestras in the world had huge, have had huge careers. And they were because of, because we were in an environment. And so this is one of the things that I start out with people talking about, what is that environment that you need to create to be successful? You know, and as you say, a mastermind group, an accountability group, a networking group, what is that? Where is that support going to come from you? Because uh, we need outside energy. We need outside um, feedback from people. We need other views. And that's, I mean, that's the thing about what coaching does is, and that's why when you ask me about why is coaching turned on and why do people hire coaches, smart people hire coaches because smart people say, I do not have a clear picture of every part of my life. I have blind spots. Mm -hmm. I rule my life by my map of the world, of yeah. how I grew up, of how my community is. And I need other people in my life, a coach that can help me see where I am blind in my life. Mm -hmm. And and that's where it comes. That's exactly where it comes from. So, you know, um, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, I, I 100% agree with you that, it, you know, I feel like one of the best aspects and probably the best aspect of having a coach is like you said, just being able to identify those blind spots and then, and then remediate them because how you get yes. better is not by thinking you're the best person in the world and you have no faults because no one's perfect. I mean, perfectionism is a lie, you know, and <laughs> yes. that's one of the things that, you know, I, you know, labeled myself as for so long as a perfectionist, but that brought me into a certain identity where I couldn't be wrong. And then if I was wrong, what happens? And so you can yes. imagine, you know what happens with that down the line so yes. you know nowadays i honestly you know i jokingly always say i love feeling like the dumbest person in the room because i know then that i'm going to be learning from people who are going to be able to see my faults and say hey you know why did you do it this way or you know whatever and just kind of bring things into my awareness and into my conscious reality that i wasn't aware of before yeah you know? to to that point i want to commend you because and and point something out that this path of personal development of self-actualizing, self which uh, Abraham Maslow talks about, yeah, becoming yeah. better as human beings, it's not for the weak. No. It's, <laughs> it, it's not for weak people. For you to go into a group or for me to go there and to be able to take feedback from other people, for, for people to push on me and challenge me and maybe not agree with me, Mm -hmm. I it it requires some inner resilience. It requires something that I'm brave enough to hear what you have to say, and I'm willing to listen to what you say, reflect on it, and not be that reactive. No, you're a jerk, and push you back, and you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the things that I think in our life now, in where we're living, and I, even in the political climate. Mm. It's how difficult it is when we hear certain things and different politicians are spewing 
can we listen to that point of view? Are we willing to at least engage in it? Uh, and that's someone else. Um, you know, we, we look, I remember there was a, a fascinating documentary. This was five or six years ago about some Palestinians and some uh, Israelis, young people that were put together. And they had these dialogues going back and forth. And I think it was, it was so fascinating because they had no idea about the mindset and how each other were, were and how they were raised to have certain mindsets. It was like they, at some points in this document, they all had their mouths open like, wow, you are a human being. Yeah, yeah. You're not the devil. Yes. You know, you're not this horrendous person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like we have something. We are human beings. We, we yeah. do love our families and, and things like that. Yeah. And so it, this journey is not for the faint of heart. It's you know. not, uh, you know, it, it, it requires uh, some resilience and for us to be brave, to be able to put ourselves yeah. in those positions, to be vulnerable to express those fears, to express our insecurities, whether that's in a group, a, a safe group, or safety of a coaching session, etc., it's it's those things that that we uh, try and hide from that are usually our our biggest downfalls or that challenge us. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I've noticed that's kind of changed the most. Again, I'm you know I'm only 29, but you know listening to my parents and all these people talk about how back in the day, especially masculinity was all about being strong and tough and not letting anyone know. But really, the strongest aspect of a person is how vulnerable and how authentic they are with one another, you know, and I think that's one of the best things that is happening now with this self development awakening that a lot of people are going through. Um, Have you heard of Paul check before? I've heard of him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a funny, you know, I, I listen to his podcast a lot and I actually did um, his coach, um, you know, ca- Academy as well. Um, it's really fun, super into holistic stuff and whatnot, but right. you know, he, um, he was talking about how right now there's a big resurgence in plant medicine and people wanting to go do ayahuasca and peyote and all these things, yes. but yes. you know, and they all, they don't really know what they're getting into because like you were saying, like these journeys of becoming vulnerable and admitting your faults, it, it can really affect your ego in a, in a weird way. And people have this, it's funny, like being a part of the plant medicine community, you know, there's this saying like, kill your ego. And it's, it couldn't be farther from the truth because yeah. your ego is what allows you to have an identity. It's yeah. just about, you know, I, you know, identifying your ego, seeing how it works and then becoming the conscious creator behind the ego to be able to respond to situations rather than react. Like yes. you spoke about how, when you grew up in that abusive household, when you first got into relationships, you didn't, you know, you weren't conscious of what you were doing. You were just doing what you had been modeled to you from you growing up. I think what plant medicines and what coaching and what all of these things do is they allow you to become conscious about how you act in life. And it's not about never getting anything wrong. Actually, the complete opposite. It's just about being able to say, okay, well, I might want to do that differently next time. So how can I go about doing that differently? How can I, you know, maybe I have a coach or an accountability buddy, or I have these routines or all of the above. But I think that that's one of the best aspects I've seen about what's happening even right now during the pandemic is it's giving people a lot of time to just reflect on what they may not have time to reflect on usually because we just live in such a fast paced society that it's hard to actually take a breath and down regulate, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Steve, where can people connect with you to find more about you to enroll in the coach training Academy? Um, Where can, where can people learn more about you? 
Well, the best place to start is uh, going to thecoachtrainingacademy.com and make sure you to the because there is a coach training academy, but what we are, we are the coach yeah, training academy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can read about our different programs, you know, what's available here. Uh, we are, uh, because of COVID, we do have some, some specials or helping people out a little bit more that, that need that help. I've also just put up a thing and it is working now. There's another website called learn to be a coach.com. Mm-hmm. learn to be a coach.com if you want to hear me it's supposed to be a webinar that uh but you know i'm not big on selling coaching or even coach training that's not what i'm about i'm an educator and i help people i love helping people make forward movement in their lives and and become the people that they want to be so if you sign up there at learn to be a coach.com you'll go to a recording of a webinar that i did a year ago but it's more of a, a really intro training around coaching and i go to some interesting things around a few neuroscience things and i bring up some stuff so it's not just a sale thing about getting you to sign up it's really about learning some things so some of the the listeners here you might want to go there and check that out and if you go to the coachtrainingacademy.com my email address is steve at the coachtrainingacademy.com and that's probably the best way to get started Yeah. And I can tell you guys, you know, I'm part of this certification right now, the 24 week certification, and I have learned invaluable information about coaching. And I feel so much more confident as a coach now. So I want to say thank you to Steve, you know, and to all of you guys, because, you know, you've really just shown me a whole new side of me and allowed me to integrate it into a business now. And that's so important, because especially in today's day and age, you know, having overhead, having all these things, we've now been shown how fast all that can be taken away from us, you know, yeah, while there's no one career for everyone, you know, personally, for me, I've always felt like it's good to have your hands on a lot of different cookie jars, you know, yes, and, absolutely. Um, you know, just like an auto mechanic's not going anywhere, you know, people that are going to be able to assist people in becoming better versions of themselves, that's not going anywhere either. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate that, the the feedback there. And, you know, if, you, if, if I go there, you know, some people go, well, I coach people, I give people advice all the time, I can do this. And to people, you know, everyone is a coach. Everyone, it's, I mean, if you have a heartbeat and you have children or you talk to people, you're going to be doing some format of coaching. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting when you bring up the coach training school is about developing a process and a structure and confidence, which is the word that I heard you say. Yeah. Because there's a difference between sitting at Starbucks with your friend and they're complaining about their boss or their partner or whatever. And then when someone says, here's my money, Emma, are you, you know, can you help me get to where I want to go? Do you have a process and are you in integrity taking someone's money? And that's usually the the point that I like to stress to people who say, well, you don't really need coach training. And I said, well, no, you don't. Go ahead and do it. Where's your confidence level and what is your strategy to help this person when you're taking money from them to get to where they want to go? And that's what training does. Yeah. And it's, it's very similar to like, you know, you can learn to change your oil, but if you want to be a mechanic, you're going to need some training. You know what I mean? And yes. you know, what happens if you blow a head gasket? How are you going to fix that if you only know how to change your oil? So I feel like what the coach training Academy does and really all of these types of just trainings you do in life is teach you much more 
just useful of your information and they teach you, like you said, having a process. Yeah, so yeah. for my final question, yes. if, if someone listening had to make just one change that would highly optimize their life, what would you say that change would be for you, let's say? Okay. I, I'm really glad that you asked me because this actually reflects to something that I wanted to address before, yeah. and that was having routines. Mm -hmm. And here I'll, I'll, I'll ask it, I'll start out as a question. If you go shopping, hopefully we'll be able to shop someday in the future, but if you go to a clothing store, <laughs> yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> do you walk into that store, grab the first thing that you have off the rack, go pay for it, and now that's yours and you have to do it? Oh, hell no. <laughs> no. You take it off the rack, you look at it, you kind of envision yourself, you try something on. Sometimes it's just a mental process. You try something on. One of the, the issues that people have when we start getting into personal change is resistance. If I say I'm gonna go to the gym, oh, then I'm gonna have to go to the gym every day for the rest of my life. If I say I'm gonna give up ice cream, I'll never be able to have ice cream for the rest of my life. This is one of the resistance points that a lot of us have to routines. Mm -hmm. So what, what I'd like to introduce is the concept of trying something on. Mm. So if today you can think of a routine that you would like to start, but no one's going to be over your head saying you must do this for the rest of your life, whatever that is, walking around the block, writing in your blog, spending 30 minutes every other day, what is something that you'd like to try for a certain amount of time to see what it's like, to see even if you like it? That's what, when you try and close, you bring it home and you go, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm going to return this. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, try the routine. If you don't like it, return it. Say, screw it. What else? How can you address that? So I think that's, that's the last point is don't take on a change process if it's a life sentence. You're yeah. not going to jail. No one's going to force you to do it. <laughs> You're doing this to see, is it something that brings you satisfaction and puts you in a good you know, path towards something that you want? Or is it something that you need to adjust and change and, and make some changes to? So that's my, my thought. I love that. And it's so true because nothing in life is black and white, you know? And yes. I always tell my clients that too. You know, if you tell yourself you're never going to eat ice cream again, probably going to be pretty hard to stick to that. And you're probably going to end up, <laughs> you know, not feeling like your best friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that's why I always tell yourself, like, first of all, no one's keeping track. And if they are, just get those people out of your life as fast as possible, you know? Because <laughs> <Yes>. you know? <laughs> so, Steve, I want to thank you once again for coming on the Highly Optimized Podcast and sharing so much amazing info and so many valuable insights with the audience. It was absolutely wonderful to learn more about you and to anyone listening to this that is curious about getting into coaching or really just anything to do with coaching, reach out to Steve. He is an absolute wealth of info, as you just heard, and can help you with any questions you may have. Steve, take care, and until next time, enjoy the journey, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Take care. Thanks. Bye, Steve. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show. 
and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you, while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.